0: That's why I come here because I want the public so, to know. So, so I we, we won't be answering you, but you can certainly keep asking. Well, I mean, I mean what, while you're standing, I want to know the the school's definition of sexual assault because my daughter was told that she's standing right there. That if it's above the clothes, it's not sexual assault.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, and joining me today is my husband, director, author, speaker, Mark Archer. Hello! (laughs) We are a husband and wife filmmaking team with over 30 years of combined experience in the motion picture industry, and we are on a mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to take a bold stand for truth through the documentary films we make. Together, we are the team behind the nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, a Christ-centered filmmaking ministry creating movies about the issues impacting our society and culture from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about us and the movies we make by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. It's also a great place for you to make that one-time or monthly donation, as this program and the movies we make are viewer and listener supported. You become a force multiplier for truth when you partner with us through our nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. So today... It's good to be home. Mm-hmm. We were in Texas. We haven't talked about Texas haven't yet.
2: talked about Texas, y'all. woo Y'all are crazy down there in Texas. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. I mean, we're in... Okay, so we're in Indiana. Uh-huh. Known for the Indy 500. Okay, so <laughs> we're a little crazy. <laughs> and we got Michigan to the north of us, and they're out of their gourds up there in the way they drive. But y'all, y'all in Texas.
1: Well, it was kind are, of... It was a little so, crazy. Yeah.
2: Especially Dallas. <laughs> But y'all, it was fun. Y'all are crazy.
1: <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> but we survived it. My favorite part was the overpasses. What do you even call those? Oh, oh the interchanges. The, the interchanges. When you get to go up on the top one, right, that was my favorite. What
2: five or six levels of <laughs> of uh, yeah?
1: You know, I never knew. It's, it's the little things in life, <laughs> you know. I just
2: she felt like she was in an airplane. Here we go. We
1: <laughs> or roller coaster. Whee! yeah <laughs> yeah.
2: But we found that our GPS couldn't keep up with. With the traffic,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah, the lanes were <clears throat> it was it was big. Anyway, so it, it was interesting going to Dallas. This small town girl going to Dallas—that's big city.
2: <laughs> well, it's funny because so we've done a lot of traveling through the past year working on the mine polluters, and one of the things so a lot of people just use their phone right as a GPS. Let Siri tell you where to go, right? right? And that's fine for suburbanite driving. And that, but what people don't realize is your phone relies on data. And if it can't get an internet connection, it gets lost. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we found that out in West Virginia
1: a couple times. Yeah.
2: And I, <laughs> and I had theorized that this was the case. And sure enough, that's what happened. So I have an old Garmin that I had updated the maps on before we left, just in case. And you're talking about going to West Virginia, going to West Virginia. And sure enough, we got out into the, the hills of West Virginia, and the phone just went blank. Yeah, and it just had no idea. what it just you know the spinning wheel of death.
1: But in Dallas, it couldn't tell which lane we were on.
2: Right. So it was an <laughs> o- it's an older Garmin, and it didn't know. Even I updated the maps again, but it still it could not keep up with how many new lanes there were. Yeah. And it thought you were on the express lane, and you're on the other lane, and it so then.
1: All I can say is I'm still I'm still waiting to see what our toll bill is going to be. Oh,
2: I can't wait for that.
1: So I, I don't know how or when it comes, but yeah, I'm they, sure it will. So
2: that if you haven't been to, to Dallas, and let's say hey, it's very cool. They make it very easy and efficient to take the expressway everywhere. <laughs> and you don't even need a text tag to do it. And you we just it. hop on and just go. <laughs> and if but as you drive along, you see these signs overhead and the rates with these rates and you go huh that's kind of expensive and then you just you go under the big gate with all the cameras on it yeah. and you know, what they're doing is they're taking pictures of your license plate <laughs> and they're gonna send you something in the mail so i keep thinking
1: think it's i think as much as we traveled it's, it's got to be at least a 100 bucks it's
2: at least a 100 bucks because we just we just enjoyed the expressway
1: but we made sure to stop at bucky's on the way out.
2: Oh, Bucky's. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie Simmons. For <laughs> yes, last time, last year, we were on our way back from Waco and we had talked on our podcast about love's truck stops and how fond we had become of stopping at love's truck stops right and the
1: kids love stopping
2: and our friend debbie simmons said oh no if you were in texas and you didn't stop at bucky's you missed it oh yeah and we hadn't stopped at bucky's so we made sure to stop at bucky's and oh my word it's like disneyland it's like disneyland and walmart and a truck stop all together, like they have but it's very
1: nice, it's
2: very nice,
1: super center gas station. I how mean, many how, gas pumps do they have? I have
2: no idea. fifty or sixty. I'd say more than that. they're four four rows deep, and <laughs> and I was shocked at how good the the food is. Oh, the
1: food was even good, yeah,
2: <laughs> it's like cracker barrel quality.
1: Mm-hmm. They know, got breakfast. brisket that they're cutting up yeah, right there in front oh of Oh my
2: word, i have never seen anything. Yeah, it like good. it.
1: So, anyway.
2: And we were total tourists, and we got, we even got a little Bucky's keychain. Yeah. So, Bucky Beaver.
1: Okay. So, that was our fun, mild update <sighs> so thank, of our Texas thank, trip.
2: Thank y'all for uh, uh, a wonderful time in Texas. Mm-hmm. But the most fun that we did in Texas to me, Yeah. Glen Rose, Texas. Oh, yes. Dinosaur Valley State Park.
1: Yep. We wanted to go when we were in Waco. For our first interview. So we were actually back a, mm-hmm. a year later.
2: And tell him why we couldn't go.
1: Well, we couldn't go because there was a freak snowstorm <laughs> in Waco. Right. And so...
2: We went to Waco Mammoth State Park because mm-hmm. it's indoors for the most part. But we couldn't go to Dinosaur Valley because there was six, seven inches of snow on the ground.
1: Yeah, so it was a great time. I mean, I love Texas. Texas mm-hmm. is, is amazing.
2: So if you haven't been to Dinosaur Valley, boy, it's cool. I mm-hmm. mean real live dinosaur prints footprints mm-hmm. hundreds maybe thousands of them in the riverbed and you can walk right down there and see them and touch them and take your picture with them and yeah it's 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 pretty amazing to actually see it stand with your own eyes and see these dino prints yeah you know and so that okay. was that was cool
1: so that's the light and airy stuff now we gotta get back to news and views right. and well, what's going on
2: Oh, news and views. So, where do we start? How about the the clip that we played at the beginning there? Um, From The Blaze. Just continuing on with the madness in the schools. This is from The Blaze. Virginia School Board has stunning response. when father tearfully reports daughter's sexual assault. uh, At a Prince William County School Board meeting in Virginia on Wednesday... Jeffrey Dahr told the bar that his 13-year-old daughter was sexually assaulted, but that the school only suspended the alleged attacker for one day, quote, for improper touching.
1: Hmm.
2: Board members first sat in silence as Dahr demanded to know what was being done to protect students. Now, I could read the rest of this, but why don't we just play the audio?
1: Yeah.
0: And I was wondering if y'all to explain to me how the policy and procedures are for the, um, the administrators to handle the situation. Does anybody have any answers how the how the process works, Mr. Dar? We we typically don't go and have a back and forth here, but we're happy to take your comments by email or appointment and and work with you on that. That I don't understand. So uh, so where do you find the rules and regulations that where do the administrators from the school find the rules and regulations of what they're supposed to. Um, like they have policy and procedures, Mr. Dar, I can I can have someone work with you on that if you want to s- yeah. step over to the side. and They can what? go over what? where what? you can is find all board? that. So this I want the kid. public to know. No, no, That's not. why I come here because I want sure. the public so, to know. So, so I we we won't be answering you, but you can certainly keep asking. Well, I mean, I mean what, while you're standing- what, I want to know the the school's definition of sexual assault because my daughter was told that she's standing right there that. If it's above the clothes, it's not sexual assault. And that's the way the county does the kids here. It's it's messed up. That's my daughter, and no one wants to do nothing about it. Suspend the boy for one day for improper touching, and I don't think that's right. So somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to look in the matter. And do something because there's more kids out there that y'all not doing nothing and letting stuff slide under. And the only person hurting is the kids. So thoughts?
1: Oh, I can tell you that there would be more. I mean, are there there charges being filed against this other student? I know as a parent, I surely would be filing a report with the police.
2: I, I tell you, as a father, if this happened, um... And to see the, when you watch the video of this Mm -hmm. and the indifference of this school board Mm -hmm. and they're, they're all sitting there in their little commander's chairs in their school board chambers with their masks on. And they're silent. They, they refuse to say anything. And then the only response this man gets is we won't be answering your question, but you can send us an email. Right. I'm here now. This is criminal activity in the school Mm -hmm. against a child, against this man's own daughter.
1: Teachers no longer are able to discipline. Mm -hmm. And the schools aren't allowed to punish kids for doing things bad. And now it's all about feelings. And so now you see why you have to bring in something like social emotional learning, because we've removed the authority from those who are in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And now you have to try and manipulate these kids into submitting and and calming themselves. Why? Because you've removed the discipline and the consequences for the bad behavior and actions.
2: Well, and interestingly, we're also, they're still punishing bad behavior. It's just now the bad behavior is, Uh, not going along with the government propaganda. Right. right? So if you refuse to uh, wear a mask, you're punished as a a child. They tape it to your face or or make you go home. Um, Or as we're going to hear about here in a few minutes, if you don't go along with um, not only accepting but promoting – the homosexual and transsexual (laughs) agenda, you're now punished as a bully. Yeah. So You hear about
1: all this affirming. You you need to affirm them.
2: Yeah. LGBTQ allies is what we're all, what our children are being trained to be. Yeah. So that being said, we're going to do a little flashback to another one of our uh, cast members interviews for the Mind Polluters. This is the first interview that we did with carol ayala mm-hmm. who is a 20-year veteran uh, elementary school teacher teacher whistleblower down in the austin isd um, school district and uh, her original interview is episodes 54 and 55 so this is uh, the first part of her interview which is uh, from episode 54 so if you want to Listen to this and then hear the second part of her interview. You want to go back to episode 55.
1: And we'll be sure to leave links in the show notes for everybody. And you can find you can always find show notes at fearlessfeatures.org forward slash podcast.
2: So uh, without any further ado, here is part one of our interview with cast member of the Mind Polluters, Carol Ayala.
3: My name is Carol Ayala. And I'm with uh, Concerned Parents of Texas.
1: How did you get with Concerned Parents
3: of Texas? Well, we actually started our organization because I'm actually a teacher whistleblower out of a district that I taught for, for 11, the, my last 11 years of my teaching career in Austin, uh, Texas. So that would be Austin ISD, or Independent School District. We call our districts Independent School Districts, or ISDs. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away about what the district was asking our campus to do and to teach to our kids. And so I decided that that was not something that I could do.
1: Could you elaborate on what it was that they were asking you to do?
3: Well, basically, and I even have the paperwork right here, uh, they were asking us to do, um, to kind of go through a program that's called Welcoming Schools, which is actually comes from uh, the Human Rights Campaign um, that is the largest LGBT um, or SOGI organization lobby group in the, in the United States. And and, in our country, and so they developed this program called Welcoming Schools, and as they put it, to create safe and supportive environments for all students, Mm -hmm. and so basically, it's not a a curriculum, it's a program. It's a program that is designed to get teachers to become LGBT allies, Mm -hmm. and so we had to endure six sessions over a whole year, six different section sessions, um, that had to deal with basically that, that explored our growing up years and, and, um, prejudices that, uh, maybe we were taught as children because of, um, the, heteronormativity, as you've heard that word before, that maybe, you know, and so they, they actually would post questions to us during these sessions to so that people would share their personal stories about how they were raised maybe by macho men fathers and how they were taught to dislike um, gay people or to use those terms in a derogatory way, but not just that, but to... to uh, Highlight that people from from that community and that population um, were treated, mm-hmm. and so people were uh, the, as the teachers, as faculty, we were supposed to come to a point where we would say, "Yes, we grew up like that. It was, it was, you know, we live in a different world now. We're going to, uh, ha- we have a new growth mindset now. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to uh, embrace." Uh, uh, that community and the children that come from that community and we're going to incorporate it into our whole school culture. Mm. And... um, So what did that look like? Well, one of the things we had to do was uh, for instance, we we typically, this was part of our uh, professional development faculty uh, time. And so instead of learning to how to strategize on how to teach better math, better reading, better science, or mainly math reading and writing, the three big ones, uh, this is what we did instead. And so they would take us in small groups and they would say, okay, at that time I was a pre-K teacher, I taught a bunch of different levels, but... The last nine years I had been recruited to teach pre-K, which I reluctantly wanted to do, and, but ended up being the greatest part of my career. And, and I can see how God put me there for that, for that reason now. Uh, but they said, okay, now we need you and your team to be able to explain what homosexuality is to a four-year-old student. And so we had to come up with a way to share that with a four-year-old that would help them understand. And one of the things that came out of that was, well, you know, homosexuality is love and it's beautiful. And so that was something that we were supposed to stress to the students. Uh, Another way to make that, uh, incorporate that into our school culture was actually on a more academic basis. Um, They... Welcoming schools, apparently at that time we were told that we would be gifted um, a whole slew of, of, of books, library books that they would uh, provide for us by going through this program. And so they would, uh, our, our campus librarian was supposed to take those books and feature them in a special prominent spot in the library. And we were supposed to uh, take them take them and check them out as teachers and we were supposed to read them to our students. And so at a pre-K level if you were early childhood all the way up to at least second grade you would read for instance My Princess Boy, you know, about a little boy that wears dresses and wants to be a princess and or you'd wear Jacob you'd read rather Jacob's new dress. And how he wants to, and so you would read this story about how he wants to wear a dress to school and his parents don't want to let him. But finally, uh, his mother sews him a dress and he takes it to school and he wears it. And the teacher explains that Jake, you know, that he's wearing this dress now and that it's awesome, you know. And so, uh, and it shows a little bullying in the book. And so um, that's what we were supposed to do uh, with our students. And um, needless to say, I didn't read a book at all, which later um, the principal mentioned on one of the, the sessions that we were being trained in is that they, she mentioned that she knew who was checking out books. Yeah. And so uh, it was kind of like a, a backhanded way of saying, mm-hmm. uh, we we know who you are. Uh, they wouldn't say, oh, you have to check out these books or so-and-so, you didn't check out this books." So, you know, grades second through third or anything like that. But she wanted to let us know in a subtle way that they knew who, who was doing that. Um, one of the other things they did that really impacted me in a very personal way, and I'm sure everyone in the room, uh, we're in the library and there's about maybe about 44 people of all the staff and it was a pretty small campus. Um, Our school had uh, been shrinking uh, for several years and when I was hired there, we were almost 800 students. Uh, We were down to like 340 at that Mm -hmm. time. And so uh, we only had about 44 complete staff at that time. Um, And so they gave us a scenario and this was our second to the last session. Mm And so it's about in the spring sometime, and the trainer tells us to stand up. She says, I want all of you all to stand up in the room, and I'm going to give you a scenario, and I want you to move around the room uh, to show uh, where what you would do in, in response to this this hypothetical situation. And so they tell us a story about how there are two teachers that are sitting down like I am right now, and they're, they're in the lounge, and they're having a conversation, and they're saying, uh, one of the teachers tells the other, she says, uh, that's why Johnny uh, has so many problems, because he has two moms. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, now that, and you're that teacher that's coming into the lounge, and you hear this conversation, what would you do? she said, uh, I'm going to give you three choices and I want you to move around around the room. And so she said, it went something like this. She said, A, the first thing you can do if you're going to confront that teacher about what she said, you know, and say something to her, I want you to go move to this part of the room. B, if you're going to go to the administration and you need some help, and you're not sure what to do, but you need some help. You're going to move to the opposite side of the room. And finally, see, she said, if you're not going to do anything at all, move to the middle of the room. Well, at that point, I knew they were gauging our commitment to the program. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to see the results of the training. Um, And I thought to myself, I'm going to be honest, I thought about lying. I thought about, I knew where everybody was going to go in the room. I knew where my team was going to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. I worked with my team. I knew what they might do. Um, And sure enough, me and two other teachers ended up in the spot where we would do nothing at all.
1: Let me just pause for a second because isn't it interesting how adults who are educated are having these feelings And thoughts and what about the kids who are exposed to having to make these choices with the social emotional learning the comprehensive sex ed if we as adults have a hard time saying well what am I gonna do what do we think these kids are feeling
3: well I can tell you what they're gonna feel Mm -hmm. at least at a Mm pre-k or early childhood perspective Um, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a computer expert, IT expert. But I do consider myself an expert in early childhood, mm-hmm. having taught that for many years. But I can tell you that those children will do a lot of different things. They'll cry. They'll argue with you. They'll shut down. They'll say many things to you in response with all of that confusion. A teacher, a, an adult, is simply going to go with the flow, right? Mm-hmm. They wanna keep their job. Mm -hmm. They wanna be in good standing with their administration. A child is gonna have a myriad of of emotions and um, they're going to react the way more impulsively. They're children after all. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what happens. That's what happens to kids. And we were being asked to present material to these impressionable young minds that was not even academic related. Okay, so let me give you a scenario Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. I was hired to teach reading, writing, and math, right? Mm -hmm. That's my job, that's what I went to school for. When I went, let me tell you, toward the end of my career, like I said, I ended up teaching bilingual, uh, dual language, bilingual first, dual, dual language education, my last nine years of the 20 years. But one thing I did not expect is to teach children who were teachable. I didn't know that their parents required them to behave at school. I didn't realize that when I told them to sit down, they would actually do it. That was a new experience for me. So I found myself teaching a population of children who were literally like sponges. Many who did not even know how to hold a crown. But by the end of the year, They were doing phenomenal things. Mm -hmm. But it was more their culture of family life that I had not seen before in a general American population. Mm -hmm. And their respect for me was something that I didn't expect either. As a teacher in the countries that they come from, teachers are highly respected like lawyers and doctors. So when I was asked to teach these things to them, I knew that their parents it would it would be like I would be betraying their trust. I knew that faith was very important to them, and I knew their values, their family values were extremely important. So I could not, even even if I uh, wanted to be an ally, it would be something that would violate the trust they had in me. And so that's what uh, motivated me to start concerned parents of Texas, because after I left my job, I had to spend a lot of time in prayer because I knew that starting something like this would be, um, change my life, Mm -hmm. change my family.
1: So this curriculum, then parents, you don't have to tell parents this is what you're teaching.
3: No. And, and just to reiterate, it's not a curriculum, it's a program It's a program, and they will tell you that if you do say it's a curriculum. Um, No, you don't, because in our state, if you want to teach this, you go under the flag of anti-bullying. And when it comes under the umbrella of anti-bullying, you do not have to share that with the parents, what you're Mm -hmm. teaching. And I I know because I asked them.
1: What other things are under that umbrella?
3: Anything that you're going to, I mean, we deal, our organization deals with, our prime directive is really to share with parents what is happening in their schools when it comes to graphic sex ed and LGBT indoctrination. Tell me about that. Well, this opened my eyes. I was busy doing my job and teaching my students. I didn't know that my local high schools and middle schools had um, gay clubs and had activists that were recruiting students into their clubs and into their organization. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until this program came to my elementary campus because they had decided they wanted to go further down, not 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 just middle school and high schoolers, they wanted to go down to elementary school children. And so this is what they developed. And so they would call it being accepting and welcoming of all students. And under anti-bullying, right? So they were not, infor- I, when I asked them if they were informing the parents, they said no, that they had not even discussed that.
1: Where does this program come from? Who, who made this program?
3: This is comes from the Human Rights Campaign out of California. And um, they, it actually does extend now all the way to through high school. If you go to their website today, a lot of people call us and they say, well, you know, when we're informing them of what kind of materials and what books their kids are being exposed to in schools, which now are vast, I mean, just by the hundreds, are being put into libraries and being read to students. uh, People will say, well, I want that list. Well, just go to their website. Mm -hmm. It's easier. Go to their website and you can look up their their lists are there. So uh, we... We don't have those on our website because you can just go to theirs and get all the lists. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they update as needed because they're always adding more and more books. What par- What we help parents understand, too, is that uh, as as a parent, you have a right. In our state, you can opt out. And, and lots of states in the country, you can opt out. And we can help you with that. We can help people know which states have the opt-out. Some have an opt-in. They're fortunate enough uh, to have opt-in and and opt-out means that they will teach this this material to your children unless you say no. Mm -hmm. And uh, parents have every right to say no and that's something that parents are not aware of. Mm -hmm. And that that goes in keeping with the reason that I was not okay with this material is because it has everything to do with parental rights Mm -hmm. and parental authority. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher... Even I knew that. Mm-hmm. I knew that um, that parent was my boss. I work for them. I'm accountable to them and what I'm doing with their child as, as I teach them all week long. And I think that's one of the reasons we did have a good working relationship, not just professionally, but also personally. They were very surprised by that. Mm-hmm. When they would see something, they would say, oh, well, I don't really want my child to know that. And I said, well, sir, you can say something. This is your child. And they had no idea that they even had that authority at all.
1: So we were talking earlier, and I think I wanted to circle back around, uh, about the cycles of why parents don't get involved. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of break that down, what we started talking about? Just, just all sort of like these incentives that parents are given?
3: Well, um, and and this is my opinion, and I think a lot of people could speak to this. I would say that at least coming from a teacher's perspective, one of the reasons that parents wouldn't get involved is, well, number one, a lot of them, they are working long hours. I know that the population I served, uh, the fathers were working very long hours, and the mothers were the ones that were very much available, to, um, to to school issues and homework and anything that had to do with school, but they did not understand at least the population I ended up working with. And if you work in a Title I school, you'll find this for all populations. They're not sure how to help their children. They're not sure how to um, work with their kids on homework. and And they feel very intimidated by the material. A lot, a lot of times, and depending on the grade levels. But another reason is because they are, they are offered incentives by schools not to be involved. And, and what I mean by that is, for instance, um, let's take a public charter. Uh, this would be true for traditional charter, uh, traditional schools as well, but maybe not to the extent of maybe a charter school, because what they do is they have a longer extended day. So they have a longer extended day. That means they're not with you on a longer day. So that is more accommodating maybe to their job schedule. Um, Number two, you pick them up. You provide transportation uh, for that parent no longer has to uh, even take their kid to school or pick them up. Right. And then they stay after school for sports. And so it's very, very common that your child doesn't even come home till about 7 o'clock or so once they, you know, as they get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, they, they feed your child. You're no longer, you no longer have that need to provide for your child. Someone else is feeding them. Um, they're feeding them breakfast. We even, I mean, schools a lot now, you have to feed them in the classroom. So teachers have become, who's doing that? Mm-hmm. That's not academic. You're taking the place of the parent, so you feed them breakfast, you feed them lunch, you keep them till about five. Then you have sports with them and do their extracurriculars. Then you provide at the at the charter school that I was working at for a while. We literally gave over the counter medicine to them. We had to supply, um, you know, Advil and Tylenol and for headaches and and tums for nervous stomachs and eye drops and you're you're now providing even their medical mm-hmm. needs right so why should a parent do that engage why why you get really comfortable with that mm-hmm. and you 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 giving your child over to be cared for by someone else it's too easy not to get involved
1: Well, thank you guys for sticking around to the end. And I hope that you got a little more insight into what's happening in the schools through our sit down interview with Carol Ayala. And you can be sure to check out part two of her interview. It was episode 55 and we'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Have a wonderfully blessed week. You can find all the information about the mind polluters and the screenings that are happening at themindpolluters.com. There are many things happening in Texas and Nebraska, Indiana, Uh, Michigan and Kentucky right now so be sure to check the website for updates to learn more about and where you can see the movie The Mind Polluters have a wonderfully blessed week talk to you next week